Hey guys, so we're going to start continue our series on the seven churches of Revelation. So today we're going to discuss Smyrna, the church that was persecuted. It's easy to feel persecuted in our culture today. Sometimes things don't go the way we want them to, or sometimes our faith comes in conflict with the culture around us. And sometimes we face direct persecution, whether it's physical, emotional, or social distress because of our love for Jesus. It's easy to allow the culture to have its way. If we bow down in the face of persecution or trouble, we might get off easier. Sometimes submitting to an earthly king instead of the king of kings appears to bring relief. Other times it seems easier to cheat or lie to get ahead. But in reality, only the king of kings can give us true rest. The city of Smyrna had a history of distress. Whether through military invasion or natural disaster, Smyrna knew hard times. Many citizens worshipped false gods, thinking that this would enable them to recuperate from the previous disaster and be spared from the next. Others bowed down to the Roman emperor, hoping to gain immediate relief. The church in Smyrna faced even more difficulty because they were ridiculed and mocked for their faith. But Jesus told the church in Smyrna to look to him, the one whose resurrection will give them resurrection. The persecution they faced was difficult, yes, but not impossible to endure. Because of Jesus, they were rich in poverty and would have life in death. Jesus told the believers in Smyrna that even though Satan himself would come against them, they must be faithful to the point of death, and Jesus would give them the crown of life. No affliction a believer faces can overwhelm the victory we have through Christ's death and resurrection. We're learning that God calls us to put away comfort and accept Jesus' promises that all afflictions in this life are momentary. We see that Jesus' resurrection is more powerful than any temptation to give in to eternal or external pressure. Jesus is telling us, I will reward you with everlasting life if you would deny the pagan practices of the society around you and allow myself to be the one who gives you all the prosperity that is necessary spiritually, whether it comes physically through material gain or not. So ask yourself, Am I willing to crucify my flesh? Am I willing to say no to the misdeeds of my flesh through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in order to pursue holiness through the mundane activities of everyday life? The Holy Spirit lives inside every Christian. He gives us the strength to put to death the misdeeds of our flesh so that we can say no to our flesh and yes to the things of God. We took God's plan of redemption when we admitted we were sinners and we embraced Christ as our Lord and Savior. Live like you have an eternal life. Eternal life does not begin when we enter glory. Eternal life begins the moment of our conversion. Revelations chapter 2 verse 8 says, Write to the angel of the church in Smyrna. Thus says the first and the last, the one who was dead and came to life. Jesus told these believers that he's the first and the last, the one who was dead and came to life. That's quite a name. This name tells us two important facts about Jesus. One, Jesus is the first and the last. In other words, he's eternal. 
Because he's God in the flesh, he lives forever. And number two, that Jesus was once dead and then came to life. This point is directly tied to the previous one because Jesus came to earth in the flesh. He could die as a man. But because he was God, death didn't have the last word. Why is it important to understand that Jesus wasn't merely a man, but that he was God in the flesh? Why would Jesus introduce himself this way to a church that was suffering persecution? The church in Smyrna was hurting. Their neighbors slandered them and Satan himself attacked them. If they're anything like us, they likely struggled to trust that God was really present with them. The citizens of Smyrna gathered to ask false gods to resurrect their city. Jesus told the church in Smyrna, to, to look to his resurrection as the only resurrection story worth celebrating. Mm -hmm. The world tells us that we can resurrect ourselves in times of trouble or that we can look to a person or organization like the government to save us. But Jesus said his kingdom brought by his coming is the only kingdom in which we can place our hope. In his resurrection, we have hope for our mm -hmm. resurrection. Nowadays, as this whole virus spreads and all this situation with the quarantine, we have to understand that our hope does not rely in what the government can do for us. Our hope does not rely in this quarantine, but our hope relies in God and God himself. Our culture is fixated on the here and now. We can order food, books, or movies in just a few minutes without leaving our couches. It's easier than ever to make life easier than ever. We're so accustomed to the ease that a microwave brings, which was once a marvelous invention of convenience. But yet it can make us impatient if it doesn't heat our leftovers quickly enough. One byproduct of our instant gratification culture is that we've come to view life through a me-centered lens. It's difficult to sit and wait but it's more difficult to patiently endure pain and suffering. But the world wasn't originally intended to frustrate us. Frustration came with the curse when Adam and Eve committed the first sin. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 17 through 19, it says, The ground is cursed because of you. You will eat from it by means of painful labor all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. You will eat bread by the sweat of your brow, and you return to the ground, since you were taken from it. For you are dust, and you will return to the dust. As a result of the curse, even creation has been groaning together, waiting for redemption. But as ministers of reconciliation... We're called to rise above our fallen nature and remain faithful to Christ. We mourn, but not as people who have no hope. Temporary hardships are meant to strengthen us, not discourage us, because we know God is making things new. Yeah, we can get upset and disappointed about how things are going these days. Yes, we can maybe get a little worrisome and get concerned about our loved ones and the people we care about. But we can't allow whatever's happening right now in society to cause us to lose hope. We can't allow it to discourage us to the point where we lose our faith in God. 
because God is our supplier. God is our source. He is who we rely on. He is who we depend on. Not what this world can give us, not what government can give us, but what how God will sustain us. And we can all be tempted to buckle under the weight of pressure throughout this quarantine or even when we're in school or culture or in relationships. We want to be respected and loved. And some people are willing to commit just about any immoral act to gain that success or approval. The believers in Smyrna no doubt felt pressure to give in to persecution and ridicule. It must have been difficult, like all of us, that may have felt tempted to compromise their beliefs in order to gain temporary or immediate relief. That's why Jesus encouraged the church in Smyrna to hold fast to him. In Revelation chapter 2, verses 8 through 11, write to the angel of the church in Smyrna. Thus says the first and the last, the one who was dead and came to life. I know your affliction and poverty, but you are rich. I know the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are but are a synagogue of Satan. Don't be afraid of what you are about to suffer. Look, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison to test you, and you will experience affliction for 10 days. Be faithful to the point of death. And I will give you the crown of life. Let anyone who has ears to hear listen to what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who conquers will never be harmed by the second death. It's an age-old lie all the way back to the first sin to believe that God simply isn't enough. Sometimes he feels distant and detached. Like throughout these days, I'm sure some people are thinking, where's God at? Or why isn't he doing anything? And he may feel distant. He may feel like he doesn't, you may feel like he doesn't care. But sometimes you may think, oh, he'll show up at the end of it all and rescue us. But for now, I just got to grip my teeth and try to get by. But that's exactly the way Satan tempted Adam and Eve. In Genesis chapter 3, 2 through 6, the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees in the garden, but about the fruit of the trees in the middle of the garden, God said, You must not eat it or touch it or you will die. No, you will not die, the serpent said to the woman. In fact, God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. The woman saw that the tree was good for food and delightful to look at. And that it was desirable for obtaining wisdom. So she took some of its fruit and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. In the first pressure to disobey God, Adam and Eve gave in. They thought God was holding out on them. So they traded their eternal lives for a momentary bite of fruit. The sweet juice from the fruit quickly became a bitter pill. That one act... That one submission to pressure caused a monumental rift in their relationship with each other and with God. We like to think that we would have responded differently than Adam and Eve. Like maybe if I had been there, I would have told Satan to get lost or get behind me, Satan. But as the children of Adam, we must acknowledge that we are no different from him. 
Like the church in Smyrna, we need to continually remind ourselves to turn our eyes away from the anti-gospel story that leads to death and fix our eyes on the risen Jesus and the true gospel story that leads to redemption. We can see the true gospel in the way Jesus contrasted himself with the false gods of the day. Smyrna was known for its worship of false gods. The goddess Sibeli, known as the mother of the gods, was worshipped alongside Zeus and Caesar. Every spring, Sibeli was credited for the rebirth of nature alongside the mythological resurrection of her lover, Atis. When an earthquake hit, the people of Smyrna called out for these gods to restore their land. When Jesus called himself the first and the last, the one who was dead and came to life, he was reminding the church in Smyrna that he alone was alive before all false gods. That he alone would be alive after the reputations of all false gods faded. Furthermore, his resurrection, which provides eternal life for all believers, releases us from death and assures us that one day Jesus will restore all things, our bodies, our souls, and creation itself. Notice that Jesus didn't rebuke the church in Smyrna. Instead, he encouraged them not to fear and to persevere. He told them in verse 9 that though they were materially poor, their perseverance would make them spiritually rich. Worse persecution was coming from Satan in the form of imprisonment, but even their deaths would bring them eternal life. The second death mentioned in verse 11 is final word for those who don't place their faith in Christ. But Jesus's word of eternal life conquers even the second death. I like to think that I would never abandon the gospel. Even if threatened with imprisonment, I want to believe I would never deny the gospel regardless of the situation. But no one knows what persecution Christians might face in the future. But Jesus' word to the church in Smyrna can prepare us for today. Every four years, we're tempted to put our hope in a candidate's promise of peace. Or at your schools, we may have been, you may have been tempted to cut corners to get ahead. We may even be willing to lie if it means avoiding a challenging conversation or gaining approval. But Jesus' resurrection frees us from these lies. His story tells us that cultural, political, and relational pressures are fleeting. If we give in to them, we may find momentary comfort, but we may sacrifice much more. Spiritual wealth and eternal life. In Christ, we have every spiritual blessing in heaven. We don't need anything more. The church in Smyrna wasn't merely facing pressure from outsiders. They were looking down the barrel of actual suffering. It seems as if they were tempted not only to conform, but also to deny Christ in order to stay out of prison or worse. We hear of intense persecution and suffering overseas. Christians martyred for their faith, unable to feed their families because of their community rejects them or too poor to have clean water or a roof over your head, their heads. 
yet they hold on to their faith. Put yourself in their shoes. Imagine someone offers you a job or enough money that you'll never have to worry about starvation again. You'll never have to worry about bills or anything more than enough money. Or imagine yourself being offered clean water or medication to cure an illness. Medication to cure this coronavirus and to heal you from it instantly. Or imagine yourself on your knees in front of a man with a gun pointed to your head. Threatening to kill you. And the only way you can be rescued is to deny Christ and turn away from the Christian faith. Would you do it? The church in Smyrna faced that kind of persecution. Slandered and mocked by others and facing potential imprisonment. They would have found it easy to say that they weren't Christian. This might have stopped the attacks and made their life easier. But just for a while... Because Jesus told them, don't be afraid of what you are about to suffer. When Jesus said the church, to the church in Smyrna that they shouldn't fear for their upcoming persecution, he was making them aware of what was going to happen to them. As God in the flesh, he knew what was coming to them. And he told them to remain faithful even when persecution came. Be faithful unto the point of death. Job faced a similar situation. God allowed Satan to throw everything he had at Job. Satan bet that Job would deny God, but God knew Job would remain faithful. Job lost his family, his livelihood, and his physical health. He was understandably frustrated, but he never wavered. In Job 1, verses 20 through 22, Job stood up, tore his robe, and shaved his head, and he fell to the ground and worshipped, saying, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will leave this life. The Lord gives, and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Throughout all this, Job did not sin or blame God for anything. Job wasn't facing daily inconveniences we encounter today like spilling a soda or dropping books in the hallway or an argument with a friend. Job wasn't even facing a pandemic of this sort that we were facing. He was facing even worse because he lost everything. His family, his livestock, his, his health, he lost it all. He wasn't in prison, but he was definitely under siege. The church in Smyrna faced the same temptation as Job. And Jesus essentially told them to respond the same way Job did. He instructed them to rely on the Lord and not give in to the temptation of their flesh, either to blame God or to turn to something more comfortable. He told them to look to his victorious resurrection, which makes any suffering we experience in this life as a moment Terry affliction. All this stuff that we're facing right now, all this disease and pandemic and sickness, it's temporary. It's not going to last forever. There's going to come a point in time where the toilet paper is stocked on the shelves again. 
There's going to come a point in time when we can go out there and we can talk to our friends. There's going to be a come, come a point in time where we can hug and shake hands without the fear of getting sick. All of this is temporary. Maybe it will last a couple of weeks. Maybe it will last a couple of months. Maybe it will last a couple of years. But it is temporary. And we can't allow this to cause us to lose hope. We can't allow it to break us down and to give up on our faith. Job faced suffering. He faced trials. He faced tribulation. He was near death, but he never lost his faith in God. Believers today might think that they can't relate to the church in Smyrna. Maybe because, oh, in America, we're not facing imprisonment or death for our faith. But we are suffering every single day. It's evident right now as we live that we are all suffering. Through this quarantine, through this lack of food, this lack of supplies, lack of medical help. We're all suffering. And at these points, maybe all the small stuff seems meaningless. Maybe the online school seems meaningless. Maybe you get discouraged when your family members or your friends are getting sick. But in a very real way, we are being targeted for our faith. We all suffer the effects of living in a broken world today. As this world gets worse and worse, as this disease spreads and spreads and more people are dying, more people are getting sick. We are suffering to a higher extent than possibly ever before. But God has not changed. He is the same yesterday as he was today and as he will be tomorrow. He is always the same, which means if he could rescue them back in the day from plagues and disease, then he could rescue us from plagues and disease. If he could heal Egypt, if he could heal the Israelites, if he could save the people, then he can save us. Jesus promised if the church of Smyrna was faithful to the point of death, that he would give them the crown of life. Smyrna was called the crown of Asia Minor because of the city's beauty. Every year, Smyrna's rulers were presented with a crown of leaves for their faithfulness in governing the city. Jesus reminded the believers in Smyrna that he would give them the crown of life for their faithfulness to him, but it may come with great suffering, even death. No one can bestow on us a better crown than the crown of eternal life with God. There's no greater victory. We'll know no greater joy. And all suffering in this life will seem small compared to it. In this life, we may be mocked or persecuted, but we'll reign forever with Christ as kings and queens of the universe. One day, God will end suffering once and for all, and we can live in anticipation of this glorious time. The hope we have because of Jesus' resurrection wasn't meant only for the church in Smyrna and not only for us. This letter proclaims to the world that Jesus' resurrection story is better than any story the world can tell. Death is every person's enemy. Yet Jesus has already tasted death for us and we can embrace suffering because Christ first embraced it for us. 
And because he was resurrected, will be resurrected also. Because of his victory over sin and death, our victory is guaranteed. We can take the message to the world that this life isn't the end. It's only the beginning. No matter how much we may suffer, our future is secure in Christ. In this life, suffering is guaranteed, but it won't last. This is the good news in a bad news world. Nowadays, all we hear is bad news. Whether it's the quarantines getting extended, or more people have gotten sick, or more people are dying, or America has the leading amount of cases of coronavirus. It just seems to be getting worse and worse. Bad news after bad news. Death after death. But the good news is the gospel. Because I know it can get scary at times. I know that sometimes you can get worried and when you touch something that someone else has touched without gloves and you get scared and you think you're going to get sick or you have to go to work in these times and you're surrounded by people and you're worried and you're scared. I get it. I get the fear. But we have to understand that this isn't the end for us. That we can't fear death. We can't be scared of death because Christ already overcame it. And he is our source. He, If he can overcome death in his own life, he can overcome death in our life. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be scared. We don't have to be fearful and lose hope. Because it is not over. This world is going through a serious situation right now. And yes, be careful. Be cautious. Obey the rules. Stay inside. Do what you're told. Use hand sanitizer. Wash your hands. This is all true. But to live in fear, to live in anxiety, to feel like this is the end of the world and to stock up on toilet paper and on medical supplies and to be selfish and to be ungrateful. It's, it's not necessary because God is our source. God is going to supply every single need. God is going to make a way through every single trial, every single tribulation. God is our healer and he can, he is greater than every single disease, every single sickness, every single illness, every single virus. God is greater. And if we truly believe in the God that we serve, if we truly believe that he is our healer, that he is our provider, that he is our source, that he is greater than all things, then we can trust in him through whatever we go through, through all the persecution, through all the suffering, through all this pain, through all of these, this bad news, we have the good news of the gospel. And it is our job as Christians to spread that good news. Just because we can't gather in a church these days, just because we we can't go into communication, we shall not forsake the fellowship of the saints. Remember, read your Bible, pray, talk on the phone with other believers, text other believers, spread the gospel, share the word, use social media, stream it, podcast it, 
Use live video, whatever you do to share the gospel. Because there are people right now who don't know God, who are scared, they're worried, they're losing hope, they're losing their belief in a better life. And all they need right now is God. All they need is that good news and that answer and that solution. So just like we've been talking about, as we endure persecution, as we endure suffering, like the church of Smyrna, we have to remember above all else that we believe in a God that can give us eternal life, give us healing, give us a crown of life, give us blessing, give us prosperity, give us whatever it is that we need. So thanks, guys. That's the end of this lesson. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope that it helped you in some way or another. Spread it. Spread the word. Amen. Have a blessed day. Oh, we're going to go ahead and pray to finish this off. So you can bow your head, close your eyes. Father God, we just come to you right now, Lord, and we pray that whatever is going on in this world, Father God, that we know that you can overcome it, Father God, that you are greater, and we know that you are going to make a way in every single situation, Father God, and we just pray right now to declare your healing, that you are Jehovah Rapha, Father God, that you are our healer, and that you will heal this country, this land, and each and every one of us, Father God. We pray for our families and our loved ones, and we pray for the spread of the gospel. In Jesus' name we pray, you get all the honor and all the glory. Amen.